We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio WEEI, Christian Arcand, Megan Ottolini here going until 6 o'clock. Had a pretty good sports night here tonight. Doubleheader, you got the uh, Celtics and the Bruins both playing tonight. Bruins in New York taking on the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. The Celtics at home, they will be hosting Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and the rest of the Golden State Warriors. A young team, according to Scal. That was weird, right? Yesterday, he was like, well, they're very young. It's like, nah, not really. Like, they still have a lot of their old players. I know the point he was trying to make, but mm-hmm. I thought that was a, sort Good. of a strange comment. I'm glad comment. you do. Um, what? know the point. I know the point he was making. I just thought it was a weird way of making it. Uh, either way, that's going to be a good one tonight. If you're on your way into that game, I just looking at the traffic on the on the screen over there, it looks like it's really really bad. So, oh, good. Uh, okay, if you're, great. If you're stuck in that on your way into uh, on your way into the garden, our thoughts are with you here. Um, also, I'll be there. I'll be in that traffic. I'll be at the garden. Understand that if you guys uh, use profanities tonight, and I'm talking to all of you out there, all you Celtics fans going in, John Tomas is going to be very disappointed. He's going to be. You- very disappointed. Don't in you. you say the f word? <laughs> don't uh, don't listen. Don't cross any lines. America's That's, burning people. Thank you. Uh, the uh, the obvious stuff I feel like doesn't even need to be said. And with Draymond Green recently, he came out and sort of spoke about that, which I was uh, we talked about this earlier. I was a little surprised by because I thought the NBA Finals was a good example of. Boston fans being good fans, you know, they were loud and they were obnoxious and they were chanting and heckling and sort of all that stuff, but didn't really cross any lines and didn't go into any places they shouldn't have, shouldn't have been going. And then he comes out back in November and again reiterated it recently with that interview with Ramona Shelburne about how things did actually get racial, which I'm not going to tell you that I think he's lying because I don't want to be on the radio here saying, oh, this guy's lying, nothing's racist in Boston because I feel like that always comes off the same way, which is to say terrible. But I will say that the story kind of changed, right? I mean, when this first happened, Draymond went on his podcast and said he liked the energy from the Celtics fans. He said that he you know, was giving it back and taking it and sort of all this stuff, and it was, a, it was a thing that he enjoyed about the intensity of the fans and F you, Draymond, F you too, and he sort of joked and laughed about it. And now he has a very different tone about it and different uh, recollection of sort of what happened. So, again, I'm not going to say I think he's lying because I don't, I don't know, and... It's not me to, you know, not on me to make those sort of determinations. I wasn't at any of those games. I didn't hear anything. I have no idea. Uh, But I did think at the time, wow, all right, Boston, you showed that you can be intense fans and you showed you can, you know, heckle and chant and be loud and all that and not cross lines. And I thought that was sort of a proud mind, a weird way. I know that. Steve Kerr and everybody all bitched and complained about it at the uh, at the podium afterwards. Oh, there was children there, you know, like, but I thought, all right, 
not bad, you know, all things considered. You lost the series, obviously, uh, but all things considered, I thought that wasn't a terrible showing. Turns out, maybe it was. I don't know. Either way, uh, don't cross any lines with Draymond Green tonight, please. Or anybody. Anyone. Don't just don't. And I, I think that what uh, Tomasi was trying to say more so than that he's offended by profanity. You know, I don't, the gut reaction is sadness. I don't really think that that's something that, you know, Tomasi is super offended by. But I think the point he was really trying to make here is that Draymond Green feeds off of stuff like that. You want the Celtics to win, get in his head some other way. You're chanting F you Draymond. He's going to internalize that. Go out there and play harder. And. You know, the proof's in the pudding. You know, they had a they had a lead in that series, and then they didn't win another game. And Draymond Green didn't take over the series or anything like that, but his level of play certainly elevated. And listen, the, the Celtics were the Celtics were twisting in the wind after that third game. You know, from game four on, that's that's all you could say. So I guess there's something to be said for that. Uh this year, the Warriors on the road suck. They're five and seventeen on the road. They're seventeen and five at home. 5-17 and 17 on the road. They're a 500 team, basically. And I'm shocked by that. I really am. They seem like the kind of team, youth movement or not, they got the pillars there. They got guys who have won at the highest level, who know how to deal with a regular season, and they can't win a road game? Like, that's weird. Well, they also have guys who have been through, like, you know, setting the regular season win record and seeing where that pays off when you get to the finals, which is, it doesn't. You know, you shatter a regular season record, great, and then where does it get you? I'm still, if I'm the Celtics, I'm still terrified of this Warriors matchup. Last time you saw them, December 10th, you lost 123-107. That was coming off of a dominant win that you had over the Suns. And after that, it was really the only time in this entire Celtics season that you hit the skids a little bit. You went 2-4 and after that in the six games leading up to Christmas Day. Then Tatum lights it up again against the Bucks. Tatum is who I've got my eye on tonight. And I know that's like not anything revolutionary because he's an MVP candidate and he is the star of your team. But in the last year, he's been, for the most part, not great against Golden State. Yeah, uh, I crunched a couple numbers. So on that last outing against uh, Golden State on December 10th. Math class mega Out there, yeah. There we go. He only had 18 points. He shot horribly. He shot 28.6%. He missed seven three-pointers. He missed those two free throws late in the game. Like, he was just totally off. But since last February, he's averaged just 25 points against Golden State. And that includes uh, all his finals appearances and a 44-point regular season game that he had against them last April. So there's an outlier in there. Like, there is a great performance, near 50-point performance in there, and he's still only at an average of 25 points per game. That's across 11 games since last February. So it's not a small sample size. I haven't seen, have we gotten an update on Jalen Brown? He was questionable as of yesterday, and he practiced today. By all the videos that came out of practice from the beat writers out there uh, at the Hourback Center, it looked like he was moving well, and it seems he's listed as questionable. It seems like he's going to play tonight. you got to have him play tonight. Like, if he's available, you got to have him out there because he's the only of their stars. He's the one who regularly shows up against Golden State. Like, that was the impression that he made in the finals, and he made it again on December 10th. For some reason, Tatum, like, has a 
block against this team, it seems like. Yeah, it does seem that way. I remember thinking in the finals, wow, Andrew Wiggins is really playing good defense on him. And then in that game, uh, a couple, uh, whatever it was, last month, two months ago, Wiggins didn't even play. Right. It was just Tatum just couldn't get his and offense going. you're like, okay, going. Tatum's going to get it back. No. No, not really, not at all. Um, I'm watching the same video I think you were just referencing about Jalen Brown at the Auerbach Center earlier today around like 10 this morning. Looks like he's moving around fine. Yesterday he said he's going to try and play. I don't know. Where's the adductor? It's like in your hip or something? No, it's your inner thigh. It's your inner thigh. Yeah. Okay. It, which connects to like your, right? It's well, like, it all connects. Everything connects. <laughs> the thigh bone connects to the adductor bone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope he plays. I think that uh, going into this game shorthanded would sort of let the air out of the building a little bit, first of all. But also, I mean... Clay just, Thompson's playing. Thompson's playing. Curry's playing. You know, I think they got, I think they got a full boat over there. And that's the other thing. Like, Curry really shows up for these games against the Celtics. And historically, I say historically, when I say that, I mean, like, going back to the Bridgie Celtics, the Celtics-Golden State matchup has always just been super fun. Yeah. Like, both teams just absolutely bring it. Curry pantses you a lot. And the last time that they saw each other, uh, Boston was running their pick-and-roll defense, and Curry took advantage of it, like, two straight possessions or, like, two times, like, back-to-back, essentially did the same move and just, like, screened off Looney and just took it right to you. And so, you know, they're going to have Rob Williams back. They're going to have Al Horford, uh, who they didn't they didn't have either of them the last outing. So it's going to be a pretty different team. I think it's going to be a better representation of who this team is and how they match up against the Warriors as they are now. Than I the hope last so. Time saw them because you remember that Warriors loss last time set off a pretty uh, you know serious set of dominoes for this team. They lost five out of their next six after that, I think, or four out of their next five afterwards. The only win was that crazy overtime win against the Lakers, which needed that wild shot. And if not for that, they would have lost six in a row, which is still now, I think, their uh, worst stretch of the year. They've won seven straight coming into this game. They're very, very hot. As I told you, the Warriors, not a good team on the road. Um, And yet, despite all of that, and despite the fact that it's just a game in January, I still feel like there's a lot riding here. I still feel like there's a lot sort of you know, uh, underneath the surface of this game that if you see these two teams in the finals or if the Celtics even make it back to the finals, which right now a lot of people are expecting, not a lot of people are expecting Golden State. I think they're the seven or the eight seed right now. They're like playing tournament status over in the Western Conference. So, you know, things haven't gone great for them this year. Things have gone about as well as they possibly could for your Boston Celtics. Um, Really, with the only hiccup being that Last time they played Golden State and the games afterwards. That's honestly been the only real uh, time that they've looked vulnerable at all. And I think that this Warriors team does bring out that vulnerability in them. They're still veterans. They're guys that have won at the highest level. The Celtics haven't. And they haven't just won once like Giannis. Like, they've won over and over again. They're, they're still like a dynasty in the making right now. And the Celtics, that's what they hope to be. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the Warriors, again, like, I've written about this a little bit. I think... They're always such an interesting matchup. They're the generational team ahead of the Celtics. And they really laid out the blueprint for almost exactly the same way that this Celtics team is composed in terms of having homegrown players who blossom into incredible stars and, you know, draft just through the draft, not going out and grabbing a Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, something like that. And so to see them go against each other in the finals to me, was super exciting last year. And then to see how the Celtics floundered against them for the most part Mm. and continue to, you know, you say it's just a game in January for this Celtics team, and they will not admit this because they're just going to say it's another game, all the games are important. 
it matters a lot for their confidence. In order, we always talked about them getting over the hurdle of getting right. past, oh, we made an appearance in the Eastern Conference Finals. We won the Eastern Conference Finals. We went to the Finals. This is the next hurdle. Like, even if it's not Golden State in the Finals again against the Celtics, which is not an impossibility, it's just get, getting that doubt of out of your mind that you're not ready for it, that you're not as professional as these guys. You can be these guys. These guys were you guys once. And so many great teams, the great dynasties that we look at, like the Bulls, have to overcome the Celtics, have to overcome the Pistons. Mm-hmm. No, it's not the same thing because they're not in the same conference. But it's like, at some point, you know, you got to hand over the, what's the stupid thing that you hand in the relay? Uh, the baton. You got to hand the baton. Yes. Pass the baton. And uh, most of the time, you have to wrestle it from the person in front yeah, of you. Yeah, Sully's got to take They're not just going to pass it to him. Sully's got to take it away. And uh, tonight would be a nice uh, step towards doing that. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Quick break. Ryan Garvin's going to tell you what's trending. And when we come back, the NFL coaching carousel spinning and spinning and spinning. We'll tell you where it's, uh, where it's at right now after Ryan gives you trending. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Radio, WEEI, Christian Arkin, Megan Ottolini, here with you for about 45 more minutes or so. If you want to jump in, you can at 617-779-7937. We'll take your calls on whatever you want. Celtics tonight, if you're on your way into the game, want to chime in on the Seas, you want to talk Bruins, they've got a game tonight against uh, the Rangers, the Red Sox made a move, Patriots uh, interviewing coaches today, including Bill O'Brien, who according to just about everybody we've ever spoken to on the matter, is the leading candidate for the job. Uh, including Tommy Curran. Tommy Curran talked a little bit about uh, all of this today and about how if O'Brien is going to come here, he's going to have to rebuild the trust between the team and Mac Jones. Uh, Here's Tommy from earlier today. And that's the reason when we talk about McCardell or Sean Jefferson or Nick Cayley or Adrian Clem, they're nice. And you're exactly right, Meg. It's good to have the intel on these individuals. But there's no comparison between what we're talking about with Bill O'Brien and and these other individuals in terms of experience and acumen. He's been the architect of possibly the most difficult coaching situation anybody got plummeted into in the last 15 years when he went into Penn State in 2012. He's also been an outstanding architect of offenses. Say what you will about how things went in Houston. They had a lot of wins with Brian Hoyer playing quarterback down there and Bill O'Brien as the offensive architect. So, to me, 
What was the initial question? Oh, about rebuilding the trust with Mac. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, these, yeah, and the other guys. Because I, I don't know. Tom, did you see the poem Sorry. that Mac posted? He posted that the if maybe, poem. I could have pretended that I didn't know what the question was, and, <laughs> but right. I, I wanted to be honest. There you go. Yeah, he, the trust is there when he walks in the door. Okay, now we have an adult. Thank God. Here we go. All right, so there you go. Uh, notwithstanding Tommy Curran's senior moment there <laughs> at the end. You that are was, firing uh, some shots over there, my friend. What do you want from me? You <laughs> in the middle of the, que- the question he was answering, he pulled a Michael that Scott happened- and forgot what he was even talking that about. Happened twice with- that, happened- that happened to me twice today with callers. I was like, wait, what was the first point they made? I like the first point better than the second point, so I want to talk to that. Um Anyway, uh, rebuilding the trust with Mac Jones, obviously a big, big part of whoever the offensive Such coordinator is. Such a big is. part. And I mean, that's, that's the main thing you got to do. Well, you need somebody who can be a play caller and somebody who can coordinate. <laughs> you need somebody who can actually do the job. But I that I that feeling of, okay, an adult is here now, like somebody's in control. And I thought it was really smart how Tom pointed out this situation that we don't talk about that much up here because uh, it's pro sports all the time up here, and mm-hmm. we don't talk so much about college football. But the Penn State situation right. that Bill O'Brien went into, that really was one of the more difficult, you know, obviously that everything around it is much more serious than football. But as a coach going into that situation and in la- that locker room and that he was able to gracefully succeed there, does speak to something about his interpersonal skills. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, going to a place that was ravaged with controversy and scandal and sort of all that and just keeping your head down and running a normal football season Dude, is going to make you look was smart. Shattered. It, it was, but you know, compared to what was there, like the bar was very low, I guess, for Bill O'Brien and what was expected of him when he got there. Can you not have this awful Okay, isn't that where we're at? I mean, I know it's not the same thing, but sure. the bar is pretty low here. It is, but clearing that bar, I guess I just think that clearing that bar, while, yes, it was an ambitious thing, an ambitious job to take on, and that's maybe what, yeah, what more you're saying. I don't know. I just think that that was, uh, that was a job that was maybe a little thankless, but also a good way to get your name out there and... Uh, you know, worst case scenario, what? You have a bad season, you lose a couple of games. Even if that happens, you're still an improvement from the last uh, regime that was there. And that may be sort of the situation he's walking into here as well. Um, I think that for Bill O'Brien, if you bring up his Houston years, you have to bring up two not particularly complimentary parts of them. One of them is the DeAndre Hopkins thing, which is going to follow him around. I mean, just comparing any player to Aaron Especially Hernandez. Especially when he's asking for a trade that the last too. time i had to have a meeting like this it was with aaron hernandez okay this is a pretty bad look tough name to uh invoke there and that was something that he brought up and that was the beginning of the end between o'brien and, and hopkins they traded him away it was a terrible trade and after that things continue to go downhill to the point where o'brien basically turned the whole team over to jack easterby and jack easterby ran the team into the ground uh because he's a bozo and that whole that whole situation, I know it was mostly the owner, but O'Brien was a part of that too. O'Brien was there for that whole thing, and he took you know he took most of the blame for it because he was the head coach. But that's kind of I feel like when you talk about him, you have to include that. You have to include that whole thing. Did he? How well did he really connect with the players? It seemed like the really good players on the team didn't like him very much, and in the end, he was part of a decision making process with this guy who was just, I mean, a a complete. 
I don't even know what to call Jack Easterby at this point. Clown. A charlatan, a clown. I mean, Hilarious like. Hilarious. He was meeting. funny, but I mean, like, this guy's like a snake oil salesman going around preaching the good word and then stealing yeah, everybody's that's money. About right. You know, like, I think that's about right. One of those, like, traveling Bible salesmen or something. Like, that's sort of what he was. And uh, that's the way that he left that situation. Now he goes to Alabama. We look at his numbers in Alabama and we think, wow, look at that offense. That offense is great. The Alabama fans hate him. The Alabama fans, he's like the worst thing that ever happened down in Tuscaloosa. The the kids, the fans of that team, parents were giving their kids autographed pictures of Bill O'Brien instead of lumps of coal to put in the stockings at Christmas. I mean, that that's a real thing. Do we have that video? There's a, there's whoa, a real whoa, whoa, thing whoa, here. Whoa, that's for the end of the show. Oh, it is? Okay. No, no, no. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize we were saving show. that. Okay, well, well, big tease then. Well, in a half hour, you'll hear what I'm talking about. But that's the truth. I mean, you had... You had, from our perspective, a guy who seemed like he was doing well and thriving in a college environment. From their perspective, get this guy the bleep out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. They can send him up here. Come home. Come home, Billy. We know. You don't want to be down there anymore. Nobody wants to be down there. It's tough, you know? We don't want you here. Yeah, take this Yankee back up north with you. You got you trying to walk around. Take him around back up Big he City goes, Way. Goes crawfish. Goes crayfish. He said, this lobster. I said, this ain't no lobster. He said, this is a little lobster. It is a small lobster. I said, this is a crayfish. Let me tell you something, Mr. Feinbaum. I don't hate everybody from up north, but I do hate Bill O'Brien. I hate <laughs> him so much that my boy, he was misbehaving this year. Little Cletus wouldn't eat his grits. <laughs> so instead of putting a lump of coal in his stocking, I put in an autographed photograph of Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Worst Christmas he ever had. He dealt with Bryce Young. He reminds me of the dog I had once. This dog would not listen to a damn thing that I would say. So what did I do with that dog? I marked that dog out in the woods, and I tied that dog to a tree, and I never went and got that dog again. It's a bad dog. You can't teach a bad dog. Sounds like you're I'm glad to hear it. Uh, there you go. 617-779-7937. By the way, there is a texter who really doesn't like the Alabama bit. Aw. Aw, sorry. Sorry that I offend your little redneck sensibilities. I'm Bless sorry about heart. that. Bless your heart. Uh, really, go cry in your grits. I'm uh, well. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. I know you does are. That, does that really bother you that the Alabama fans are unhappy with Bill O'Brien, so that makes you more cautious about bringing Bill O'Brien in as the offensive coordinator here? In the sense that I thought he was doing a great job in Alabama, and they don't think so, that tells me something. They're crazy! Yeah. They're crazy sure. Alabama fans! Fine, but they also They're not happy this. with anything short of a national championship. Right, and they were short of a national championship this year with Bill O'Brien as their offensive Does coordinator. Does that their That's offense all. was bad? Well, it did take a step backwards. They were averaging like 55 points a game before he got there. And now I gotta it's down be to honest, like 43 I'm not, points a game. not an Alabama football insider. Not gonna put that hat on and pretend like I am. But I will say that I'm not gonna base my judgments on the offensive coordinator search based on Alabama fans. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, listen, if you listen to Paul Feinbaum for more than five minutes, you can understand that these are uh, these are unhinged people, okay? And that's, that's so, especially when it comes to their football team. Uh, By the way, that's debatable. That being said, they know. I mean, they're not, they're not ignorant. They're not ignorant about their team. They know their team. 
And they know when the offense takes, a, you know, is taking a step backwards. And maybe they just don't like O'Brien because he's a city slicker from up north. He's a Yankee from up here. I don't know. They sound kind of ignorant about it. I mean, yeah, you didn't make a national title game for the first time in 100 years. But I don't know. Maybe instead of looking at Bill O'Brien, you would look at Nick Saban, right? Oh, no, that's right. Because Nick Saban just wins and he has all these rings and you would give him the benefit of the doubt. Honestly, like, doesn't that sound familiar? Does that remind you of anybody? Like someone, sounds yes. a little bit Holy like the backyard smokes, That here. sounds like New England Patriots fan. Where I mean, the obvious answer might be, yeah, Bill Belichick. By the way, said, "Blame me if this doesn't go right." So yeah, I'm gonna blame you, Coach. It's the exact same thing that is going on in Alabama right now. I would not put stock in anything that Alabama fans are saying about Bill O'Brien. So I wait, would not. So what you're saying right now is that in this analogy, Bill O'Brien is Matt Patricia. Yes. Well, that's not good. Yes, except <laughs> except in this analogy, like Matt that. Patricia has led the Patriots one game short of a national title game. Which um, I guess would be the Super Bowl. Sure. But they didn't make the playoffs. So no, they I mean, didn't. You know. So yeah, Bill yeah, O'Brien I mean, would absolutely be an upgrade. championship, I don't think you're losing your mind, in most cases, over the offensive coordinator. No, not losing your mind, per se. Unless but, he uh, like completely sabotaged you. Alabama, the bar is very high, I guess, is the thing. And that's sort of... It's almost you know, like it's unrealistic. It may be unrealistically high. That's, uh, that's entirely possible. Um, speaking of which, unrealistically high is the... Uh, uh, tentative title for the Mike McDaniel biography that's coming out next year. Um, 617-779-7937. All right. So Bill O'Brien interviewed today. We don't know how the interview went, but we know that uh, along with that, Sean Jefferson was interviewing. And uh, did McCardle interview today, too? I believe so. Uh, McCardell was expected to interview. Yeah. He was expected to interview today, and Rappaport said that these things may be wrapped up by tomorrow, and that you know by uh, this time tomorrow we may or we may not know, but the team may know who it is that they're going to sign and who's going to be the offensive coordinator. Let's say it's Bill O'Brien, and let's say that the uh, Bill O'Brien era in New England starts tomorrow uh, or whenever you know the day after they announce it. What is uh, O'Brien's? Thank God! <laughs> Finally, I've been marking the days of my calendar. My prayers have been answered. My Dale Earnhardt calendar. I've been xing off days every single day, God waiting for this him. one. God bless him. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry. What were you saying? I don't know. Um, that wasn't the, the only. The Bill O'Brien era is returning. The Bill O'Brien era is returning. Uh, Jefferson is interviewing. That's going to be happening tomorrow. And a couple other little pieces of movement out there in the NFL as well. Lamar Jackson's offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, stepping away from the Ravens. Jackson may be doing that exact same thing. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are cleaning house uh, in the event that Tom Brady is also leaving there. Byron Leftwich has been fired, and uh, who knows what's going to be happening after that. Todd Bowles still on as the head coach, and uh, obviously Harbaugh still the head coach there in um, in Baltimore. I've noticed a lot of coordinators are getting let go, and head coaches are sticking it around. Is, you it's that? true. It's almost like some of these teams don't want to pay out coaches that then they're not going to have coach. Seems like it. In terms of really big contracts. Uh, going back to the Greg Roman news, though, that was reported by Ian Rappaport earlier today. So we were talking at the top of the show about whether that indicates that Lamar Jackson is definitely going to leave the Ravens or if they're going to slap the franchise tag on him and keep him around, whether he likes it or not. And now apparently, like I, I was just seeing some headlines on the TV, and I don't know if anybody has any background information on this about it breaking, but John Harbaugh, can never say that, I got it right. You got it. Time, right? Nailed it. Harbaugh, they had a press conference where they doubled down and said Lamar Jackson is our quarterback going forward. Interesting. So they have fired the architect of the Lamar Jackson offense, mm. 
And they're doubling down and saying Lamar Jackson is going to be the quarterback, which would make you think that either they reach a they reach a contract with him. Like, are they just saying that? It's all very bizarre what's happening in Baltimore right now. Yeah, here's the whole quote from Harbaugh. Um, asked about Jackson, will he be the quarterback? 100%. 200%. No question about it. Lamar is our quarterback. He's been our quarterback. Everything that we've done in terms of building our offense and building our team, how we think in terms of putting people around him is based on this incredible young man, his talent, his abilities, and his competitiveness. And that's why we just fired the guy who built this whole offense. I love Lamar. Uh, Eric DaCosta loves Lamar. It's a GM. And it's not going to change in the future. I don't know anything about details or anything else, but I know one thing. I, like all the fans out there and everybody else, have my fingers, toes crossed and will be saying my prayers. I have faith it'll get done. We've got the best people in the world at it. Eric wants him here. I want him here. Steve wants him here. And Lamar wants to be here. It's going to work out. I don't know if Lamar wants to be here. I was about to say, has (laughs) anyone talked to Lamar? You've seen Lamar's Instagram lately? (laughs) It seems like a guy Lamar wants to be here. And yet he didn't show up to the playoff game where his best friend was stepping in for him because of his injury. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was tweeting stuff out that then uh, his coach was like, yeah, I, ha- I don't know about that. Right. <laughs> doesn't I, seem like open lines of communication down there in Baltimore. No, and it doesn't seem like they're 100 200%, whatever he's saying, um, in that corner either. You just but, fired You just fired his coordinator, the guy who built the offense that made him the MVP. Like, you let that, you fired him. Maybe Jackson wanted him fired. I don't know. But that seems like a weird, if you're, you know, crowing about building the offense around him and doing all these things, and then you fire the guy who built the offense, then doesn't that think, I assume you think he's leaving too. Well, so, again, they, like, have the trump card here because they can franchise tag him at least for a year. Yep. Where does this rank then to you in terms of we were talking yesterday about the open offensive coordinator jobs and where the Patriots rank? I said they were probably somewhere around third, third or fourth Mm -hmm. in terms of all the open jobs with the Chargers being far and away the most attractive job for anybody looking to be an offensive coordinator. Where does Ravens with Lamar Jackson there rank? With Lamar Jackson, I put Assuming that Lamar is staying there because that's what everybody front of office front office and uh and coaching wise is saying if jackson leaves i'd put them down near the bottom i'd put them down near like you know the colts and and some of these other crappy teams you know carolina i put them down there with uh with the bad teams if he stays then i think that's right up there with the chargers and the rams i do i think it's second second maybe third yeah they don't have much else other than him the jk dobbins is a good running back but like they don't have any good receivers uh, their tight end's good, and I think that you can you got something there just with a good offensive line, a pretty good running back, a tight end, and Lamar Jackson. It's sort of sort of like what Mahomes has. You know, Mahomes has a great tight end, nothing really with receivers. Schuster's pretty good, but he's not some game breaker. Mark Andrews is a stud. Andrews is great. Kelsey's great. You can you can do it with a good old line, a tight end, and a versatile running back. You know, I mean that that's enough for a great quarterback. And Jackson is a great quarterback. But he's also hurt all the time, and the rest of the offense there, you know, you bring in another QB who's not Jackson, and you see the shortcomings of that offense. So I think that that's, uh, that's, that's the main thing there. But with him, it's as attractive, I'd say, as anything. With him, I'd say it's as attractive as any job out there, other than maybe the L.A. Chargers. Um, so that's that's where I'd go. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Quick break. Uh, we'll come back with your phone calls and uh, Ryan Garvin with the almost end of the show. That's next. Good news, Celtics fans. According to Underdog NBA, whatever, 
Don't know. I don't know this account, but according to Underdog NBA, Jalen Brown on track to play, barring any setback in warm up. So he'll be a game time decision tonight. I think he's playing. Uh, if you saw the videos of him warming up down at the Hourback Center, in my professional opinion, he's probably going to be good. With to play. a blue check mark. Thank you very much. I don't know. Underdog NBA, I don't know anything about this account. I just so know. I know that Underdog is like a almost a pseudo fan duel type spot. Got you it. Know, everyday betting. Okay. And they have 180-something thousand followers, so uh, they, they... And it has to be real. They know something. There you go. Um, they know right. how to get followers. Jalen Brown tonight against the Golden State Warriors, Celtics and Warriors here. This is a uh, marquee matchup and a very, very hot ticket, by the way. If you're going to this game, good for you because you had to spend a good lot of money to me. get to this game. Oh, Not wait, you. You're I'm going. Working. You're working. But if I'm you working. if you paid money, I mean, you paid upwards of 150 bucks for the uh, for the balcony to get to this one. So good for you. And uh, good for the Celtics if they can pull out a win here. And I hope that they do because if they lose, and get swept in the season series to this Golden State team, even if they don't end up playing them again. That, to me, shows a weak spot. That, to me, shows a a weak spot on this team. Yeah, it shows that they still... It's like a mental block. You can still get in their head a little bit, you know? Totally. That's that's one thing that that will show me. And listen, I mean, they they are as capable of beating this team as anybody else, and the Warriors, when they go on the road away from... uh, And it's not Oracle Arena anymore. What's it called now? Where do they play? Chase Center. The Chase Center. Yeah, when they leave the Chase Center... They suck. I mean, they're a straight-up bad team uh, when they go on the road now. So the Celtics really don't have any excuse, aside from the fact that the Warriors may just own them. It may be as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, look, Jalen Brown's going to be a huge part of it. As I said a couple minutes ago, Jason Tatum does not have great numbers over the last year against uh, Golden State for the most part. Jalen put up, I think, 31 the last time that they saw them, when they lost in December. So you need him out there. Hopefully he doesn't stand up awkwardly from his chair or something. Yeah, that would be a setback. Because that inner thigh, that's what it is, you know? You that's gotta, right. That's how you tweak it. Oh, ooh, my thigh. And then the thing that's interesting with Jason Tatum that I'm looking forward to is at least in these big-time marquee matchups, whether it's against Dallas, uh, Milwaukee on Christmas Day, even against the Nuggets, he's performed very well. Like yep. He's on a nice stretch right now. And you would have to imagine that this is just one more marquee game. If he's, you know, so driven by the MVP talk or lack thereof, then I'm expecting a big game from Jason Tatum tonight. You I am wanna, too. You want to grab a call here? Before yeah, let's we go take a call the quickly. Almost end of the show. Charlie is in Boston with a uh, football thought. Go ahead, Charlie. Hey, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Enjoy the new show. Uh, it's great. Thank um, you, Charlie. But yeah, so my 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 take is that I think the I think the Patriots opening at the OC is one of the best. In the, it's it's got to be like the best in the league because Matt Patricia set the bar so low <laughs> that you like you literally can't screw it up anymore. Um, and because of that, you know that they're going to, like, in terms of talent-wise, they're going to be spending a lot of money, right? And you, Or they should be if they're smart. Um, but we're close. We're not, like, super far away from a good offense. And then, two, um, you know you have a good defense to fall back on, right? You just have to do, like, maybe 10%, 20% better than Patricia, and you'll be just fine. So I think it's a win for whoever goes in there. All right, thanks for the call, Charlie. I do agree that the bar is very low. I don't think they're that close to a good offense. You can't tell. You can't watch that offense. Why? This it was past a good offense was, the year before, and what was so different about it? It was middle of the pack, I think, the year before. I think it was, it was like, a fine offense. It was better than this, obviously, but I don't think it was good. I think it was, you know, it was, it was trending. Productive. It could have been better. I think this year it should have been better, but this year it took such a dramatic step back that it's hard for me to say that they're close. They got to get back to being close again. Uh, real quick. 
just in terms of the MVP talk, just because it got brought up there at the end, Jason Tatum right now and Jalen Brown both would be All-Stars if the voting ended today. The uh, NBA released their third and final fan voting update for the All-Star game in the Eastern Conference front court. It's Giannis number one, Durant number two, and then Tatum. He's not going to catch Durant. He's down about a million point three, one point three million votes. And then over on the guards, it's Kyrie Irving. Donovan Mitchell and then Jalen Brown and Brown is well behind those two guys too. So he's that far behind Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is at a big game he put up three point nine. Jalen Brown's at two point one million. He's getting that new star push. That's new team, new conference. Who does? That's kind of disrespectful. This is all fans, yeah. Uh, yes, this yeah, is the yeah. fan voting. Okay. It is indeed. And uh, with that, what's the time for, Ryan Garvin? It is time, of course, for the almost end of the show, which is sponsored by Cars for Kids. Don't waste time trying to get rid of your old or broken car. Stop it. Cars for Kids is the easiest and fastest way to donate your car and get a tax reduction. Excuse me, tax deduction. Go to carsforkids.org today. And of I course, get a tax reduction. I don't know, I because like that's that. why it says deduction and not well, reduction. Oh, because I'm so rich. Too many taxes. Carsforkids.org, of course, that is Cars with AK. So we played a little audio from Mike Rodak, who's on the Next Pats podcast with Phil Perry. And he told a very specific story about a young child who received a Bill O'Brien autographed card uh, as a Christmas gift and how this young child did not handle it well as it pertains to not people not liking Bill O'Brien. Well, we have that audio. So if I can set a scene for you. There's a bunch of little kids. Obviously, there's a couple parents hanging around. They're probably doing some big family Christmas swap. And this young blonde-haired boy, probably about six or seven years old, he gets this, uh, he, un- he opens this present, and uh, he's not overly excited about it. Take a listen. Oh, what's in it? What's in it? What is in the postal? <laughs> what is it? It's what is it? Bella! <laughs> what? And of course, he has a young cousin there who is very excited about his DeAndre Hopkins uh, helmet <laughs> that he got for Christmas. You know, it's ironic. I think I know who that kid ended up growing into. <laughs> pumpkin guy. He grew into pumpkin guy. Pumpkin yeah. slapper. There, there's a similarity there. <laughs> as far as the rage, what's wrong with that what's little wrong kid? With that? I say I'm a little disappointed that kid didn't have a thick southern accent. Like I was kind of hoping that he barely heard him. He's screaming. He was so distraught that he could get he could not get the words out after all. Get out of one! I don't want no damn Bill O'Brien autograph, Daddy. This is the worst Christmas I ever had. All right, I got one more for you before we part ways and turn the station over to Rich Keefe. Uh and RK, this is something I am interested on getting your opinion on. There's a video been circulating. Uh, I believe this is a coach on the Colorado Buffaloes football yes. staff. Is this Tim Brewster? Do I have that name right? That is right. It's Coach Brewster. So I, I don't have any patience for this hard-o nonsense. But this is Coach Tim Brewster with a locker room full of uh, hopeful prospects to play on the football team. And uh, this is how he handles getting his guys motivated. When I say stand tall, 
Okay? I want you bouncing out of your seat and staying tall. When I say stand tall, get your ass up. Stand tall. Sit your ass back down. Stand tall. We come. We come. Raise the goddamn roof. Raise the roof. We coming. We coming. We coming. We coming. If them Colorado buses show up, and sixty minutes of hell coming with it. Okay, that's a, that's sixty minutes of hell coming with it. The time is now, man. The time is now. Now it's interesting yeah. when I when I played Coach Brewster Arkan, I didn't see you stand up when he said stand up. No. Well, first of all, I'm not on the team. And oh, okay. Second of all, this guy, are you kidding me? Coach Prime's bad enough. They got to deal with this, this oh, doofus too now. God. Poor 60 little 60 minutes of hell. It's a college football oh. game, you knob. 60 minutes of hell coming with it. Stand tall. Now sit back down. Now look stand to up your left, again. sons. Look to your right. One of you will not be getting an NIL deal. I say stand tall. Get your ass up. Stand tall. Sit your ass back down. Listen, they're going to have a great season. I'm sure everything's going to be awesome for Coach Prime and the Buffaloes. Uh, just in case you were wondering, well, does this work for this guy in the past? Has the answer, it? the answer is no. Oh uh, wow, shocker! He was the head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers from 07 to 2010. His record with them: 15 and 30, 0 for 2, uh, lost in two Insight Bowls. So yeah, this uh, this Hardo act. I mean, listen, <laughs> guys, guys doing what he loves. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be. 60 minutes of hell coming with it. If I'm standing in that locker room, I'm looking at that transfer portal boy. <laughs> and, <laughs> of course. You have to listen to this guy every day. I oh, my God. I couldn't do it. And there you have it. That was the almost end of the show, which always leads us to the end of the show. We are followed by Rich Keefe. He takes over at 6. Mango's got a big, important basketball game to go cover for the station. That is correct. Stay tuned. Rich Keefe coming up next. want to say thanks to Tommy Kern for joining us today. For Megan Adelini, I'm Christian Arkin. We'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Bye. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.